very exciting times here at the Guerrilla Marketing Studios. Uh, we had a company reach out to us this week with a sponsorship offer for the podcast. So it's clear to see that it's already taking off. And uh, the things are really resonating with our target audience. This is fantastic. Um, I'm just going to read out the message and name drop the company. Um, and this one's on the house, by the way, guys. So um, no need to send a, a check in the mail. Uh, this is the message I received. Hope you were good. Uh, didn't refer to me by name, but that's okay. I'm sure this isn't a mass message. Um, I work with a brand who needs podcasters to receive a review kit of their product and they will help promote your podcast. If you are interested in teaming up with this brand, not specific to the brand, then um, and earning while doing so, message at Smooth My Balls. Okay, so I've never done a sponsorship reading before. I do listen to quite a few podcasts. Um, and normally I think those guys have a sponsorship script to read from or something like that. But, you know, you know, no money's changed hands here. So I'm, I'm assuming that any mentions of the Smooth My Balls brand is a good thing for them, right? So this is probably a good opportunity to um, practice some sponsorship readings. You can maybe give me some feedback, think, you know, of ways that I can potentially improve my uh, sponsorship script reading capabilities. But let's just um, let's just take a swing at this. So, uh, oh, there's a product right there at the top of their uh, Instagram feed. So um, let's just let's just give this a go. Hey guys, are you tired of cleaning your sink uh, slash shave spray? Let me start that again. I want to get this right. I'm really going for a sponsorship here. Hey guys, are you tired of cleaning your sink and shave space after a grooming session? Are you tired of your other half complaining about all of your unwanted hairs in the tub? Are you tired of using sheets attached to the small... Let's start that again, baby. We're going to get this right. Are you tired of using sheets attached to the wall to catch those unwanted hair? Not hairs. Those unwanted hair. That's what it says, and that's what I'm reading. We at Smooth My Balls have found the perfect solution for you. Introducing, and I'm going to warn you now, I didn't name this product, but I'm going to say it. Introducing our... <laughs> Jesus Christ. Introducing our Pube Muncher 1.0. Okay, so if there's a 1.2 or a 2.0 or a 1.1, um, I'm going to give you some advice, guys. Change the name. Change the name. Pube Muncher 1.0. When it's 2.0, change the fucking name. Pick something else. I'll come up with something for you now. Um, the Hair Catcher. Okay, I'm not going on Google and typing the words Pube Muncher. I don't want that in my search history. Okay, so that's uh, you know I, I'm open to sponsorships. Um, maybe, maybe something a little bit more relevant. If because some companies want to reach out with anything related to what it is that I actually do, that'd be fine. Um, you know, I uh, I actually put a video out on my personal Instagram feed this week. I saw a great um, one of those American telemarketing ads from it must be like from the mid 2000s and it was so great it was the comfort wipe which is a, a modern solution and, and they call the um, using toilet paper they refer to in the video as archaic and disgusting so it's a modern solution to the archaic and disgusting uh traditional methods of um of, of bathroom hygiene like toilet paper, essentially it's a stick that you that you hold toilet paper with, and um, one of the guys in the video is a is a big gentleman, um, 
and he says, well, I'll play it for you. The first improvement to toilet paper as we know it since the 1880s. Being a big guy certainly has its advantages and its disadvantages. This is a great product. Okay, so he says, being a big guy has its advantages and its disadvantages. Now, that is, a, you know, warming you to the idea, uh, you know, it, he has to sort of come in with a, a plus. He needs to talk the other big guys in the room into airing him out. So being a big guy has its advantages and its disadvantages. Now, I've been a big guy. Um, for anyone that, well, none of you actually will, will have seen my, um, I used to run like a fitness Instagram and YouTube channel. And um, I used to be a big guy. And I'm actually slowly on my way back to being a big guy, thanks to this second lockdown and absolute lack of motivation and gym time. But I used to be a, a pretty big dude. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I can't think of any advantages there are to being a big guy. That un unless advantages are things like, um, you know, don't you don't have to put up with the hassle of um, unwanted attention from the opposite sex. Or um, you don't have to uh, put up with the hassle of... Um, easily putting your pants on in the morning. So I can't think of any advantages. It's uh, casting my mind back, nothing really stands out. But I suppose that leads me on to what my theme for this episode might be. Not like I had one in mind when I sat down, but I suppose one thing that is on my mind at the minute is is sort of getting out of a rut now that, that things have opened back up. I thought, to be honest with you, when, when they eased the restrictions, I thought that I was going to fly back to the gym and get straight back into my old routine. And I am someone that's very conscious of things like forming habits and habitual behavior. And in one of my earlier podcasts, I was sharing some resources and books on things like Atomic Habits by James Clear, James Clear and stuff like that. I love all that sort of stuff. And going to the gym regularly and you know, being conscious about the sort of things that I'm eating was a habit that I'd gotten into and locked in. I mean, I think I went from being over 200 pounds down to about 170, which is only a loss of like, you know, call it 30 pounds, but a lot of that was losing weight, putting muscle on, losing weight, putting muscle on. So it was kind of like a, a process of refinement. And uh, during that time, I spent a lot of, I spent a lot of time thinking about habitual behavior and forming habits and learning about nutrition, learning about sustainable lifestyles and how to lose weight, but then keep it off. How to, um, you know, not starve yourself through the process of losing weight, how to eat less calories without eating less volume of food. And I spent a lot of time learning about that sort of thing and, and adapted very sort of healthy lifestyles. Um, and this year in particular has been a bit of a whirlwind for me, of course, running a, a digital marketing agency and all of the, the fun things that go along with that is, is a, is, you know, it's a big responsibility. And then, I mean, me and my fiance, we're about to have our first child. She's actually due in the next week or so. Um, so obviously that is something that, that is requiring time and energy and hospital appointments and all of the preparation and research and the, you know, financial investment required and decorating the nursery and all that stuff is something that takes a lot of your sort of conscious effort and energy and, and concentration. Um, and then we had like a, a family bereavement um, 
a few months ago and it was someone that was particularly close that I was particularly close with it was my granddad um, and he was like my best friend through you know from being a, a young kid probably since before I could talk and me and him were best pals and he's always been the sort of strong male role model in, in my life that was you know sort of backing me up and you know it, if someone new came into my life even as someone as part of my professional career it's like who's that person what are they like what did they say what 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 did he do when that happened? And he he was always sort of like, um, how can I say, kind of feeling situations out on my behalf and giving me advice. And well, if he says that, you should do this, or you want to try and do such and such a thing, like. So it's been quite a taxing mentally, and emotionally taxing, year so far for me. More so than last year actually, and and last year was obviously real scary, because me and Kyle were in the earlier stages of our agency journey. We'd gone from being a two-man band, um, you know, to start to make hires and have a nice office spaces and stuff. Um, and then when COVID hit, we lost like 30% of our revenue. And that was scary, man, but, you know, it was all right. And, and I kind of felt like I always had that, uh, that strong sort of presence in my corner just because my granddad was always around, you know. And then, like, he basically without going too much into it, just very sort of quickly deteriorated this year. And before we knew it, um, he'd sort of passed away. Um, and then obviously I had to deal with his funeral, read a eulogy and all this sort of stuff. And that seems to have thrown me off in terms of the identity that I'd spent years putting together, being disciplined with my training and, and weightlifting, being disciplined with my diet, um, you know, I rarely drank before, but that sort of time, the, the the front half or the front quarter of this year was so emotionally turbulent for me. It My entire sort of identity that I'd spent the past 10 years cultivating, or 30-odd years cultivating rather, under his watchful eye sort of seems to have gone in the bin. And it only really seems to be recently where I've started to be able to put the pieces back together and have the confidence to start you know, building my personal brand, building the agency brand again. And um, it, it does seem like I'm in a position now where I have to start climbing out of a rut again that I'd successfully climbed out of before. So I thought that maybe that would be a good thing to talk about. It would give me a, an opportunity to put my thoughts, say my thoughts out loud and, and maybe piece together some sort of plan live on the podcast. It might be a bit of a weird one, but practical, it will be. So hopefully we come out of the next 20 minutes with some sort of plan in place. So what do we need to do? So work, on the work front, that's all right. I've got good routines where work's concerned. I've got a good work schedule. I'm happy with that. First of all is diet. And this is going to, this kind of climbing out of a rut type subject is mostly going to be pertaining to diet, training and lifestyle but I have to do it with the mindset that I'm about to have my first child and that is going to come with you know I'm not going to be sleeping properly my sleeping schedule is going to be way off um, I'm not going to have time to do as much meal prep as perhaps I've done in the past where I've, I've lost weight and I've eaten properly and I've looked after my nutrition meal prep is something I might not have as much time for so I'm going to come up with a plan uh, that sounds at this stage 
sustainable, maintainable, and takes into account the fact that I'm really not going to have much time. So if you're the sort of person that feels like you might not have loads of time, um, think of me. I'm running the digital marketing agency. Granted, I'm going to have two or three weeks paternity leave, which is going to afford me a little bit of time back from work. But in the grand scheme of thing, uh, the grand scheme of things, two or three weeks is not a lot of time. Um, it, you know, when it comes to getting in shape, it's that is a, a drop in the ocean. It's probably going to take me about six to eight months to achieve what I'm, I'm actually setting out to achieve here. So that is first of all the first thing that I that is worth props highlighting is I'm setting my expectations appropriately I'm not I'm not looking to get you know peeled in three weeks I'm not going to be shredded in 12 weeks uh, sorry three months or 12 weeks that's just not realistic given where I am right now so realistic expectations is probably the first thing now in terms of the amount of weight that I actually want to lose. I weighed myself this morning and I was 90 kilos, which puts me approaching 200 pounds again. Not great. Now, when I'm in good shape and I'm happy with the way that I look, I'm about 173 to 175. So that, let's call, let's say I'm 200 pounds. I'm not, but I'm, I'm in that area. I've got a few more pounds and I'll be at the 200 mark. So that's 25 pounds that I need to lose. Now, the absolute maximum that I want to lose in any given week is going to be two pounds. If you're losing more than if you're losing any more than two pounds a week, then that would suggest that you're either not eating enough calories or you, you're too active for the amount of calories that you're eating, if that makes sense. The first week you're always going to lose more than two pounds because you'll essentially you'll lose water weight. When you start to eat right, your sodium intake will drop naturally because you're eating less processed food, you're eating less you know, salt as a result of that, and therefore you will typically drop around four pounds in the first week. Some, a little bit of that will be fat. Normally, it's mostly water retention that you're losing. So if I'm going to lose an average of one to two pounds a week, that's an average of 1.5, isn't it? So... If I, what's 25 divided by 1.5? Let's find out, because I'm terrible at maths, especially when I'm recording and conscious um, that people are listening to me. The answer to that is 16.6. So let's call it 17. Okay, so 17 weeks. If I'm losing an average of 1.5 pounds a week, I can expect this to take 17 weeks. Now bear in mind, 1.5, that is a fairly realistic estimate because I could lose up to two pounds a week and that 16 weeks would reduce to, I don't know, 14 or less, probably way less than that. But let's say 17 because I'm going to say, well, I might lose two pounds some weeks, but other weeks I might have slip up out, I might, um, I might have a couple of drinks at one weekend or I might see friends and go out for a meal. One week I might put on a pound or two. And, and other weeks, I might lose two pounds a week for three weeks in a row. But on average, if I give myself some leeway and some breathing room, and I admit that I'm not a professional bodybuilder, or I'm not a Mo Farah, and I'm not going to go running marathons anytime soon, I'm just a human that's about to have a kid, and I'm about to, I'm still going to be running an agency and, and sat at a desk for eight hours a day once I come back, then 1.5 pounds a week 
is very achievable. So if it takes me 17 weeks to lose that, which is what, four and a bit months? Is that right? God, man, I'm so bad at maths. Four and a bit months. Let's call it four and a bit months. Then that's realistic, isn't it? But it's far more achievable to do that and have that longer term mindset. I, what did I say a minute ago? I said it's going to take me like six to eight months, didn't I? And I've just calculated it. It's going to take me four. It's, yeah, let's say, let's say it takes four to five. But it's far more productive to sit down and have this conversation with yourself at the beginning rather than turn to things like YouTube or Googling things like how to lose weight fast. And, and someone will say, look how much weight I lost in 12 weeks by cutting all of my carbs out and I only ate protein and fat and I went on a ketogenic diet. Or I did um, a juice fasting cleanse and I lost two stone in a month. And you go, wow, I can be, I can be ready for summer in a month and I'll have abs and stuff like that. And bear in mind, I am qualified to say that I've got perspective on these things. I've done ketogenic diets. I've done juice fasts, I've done carb cycling, I've done water fasts, I've taken fat burners, and all kinds of other shit that just doesn't work as a long-term sustainable solution. And I could go around and round on this, but really the main thing to know is that you need to think about setting yourself up for not 12 weeks from now, but two years from now. Like the right way to do something like this is to do it in a way that is sustainable. It's small changes, but most of all, you're learning and adapting and refining a lifestyle that you can keep up forever. You don't want to just keep losing weight forever because you eventually you just turn into dust and someone will sweep you up and pop you in the bin. But really what you want to do is you don't want a quick fix that you're like, oh, right, okay, I did that for 12. Let's say, let's say that you somehow have got the mental fortitude to actually do a ketogenic diet for 12 weeks and you're just not going to eat any bread, any sugar, any fruit. Not You, you can't even eat too much broccoli because that that is not allowed on the ketogenic diet, right? Let's say that somehow you've got the, the, the sort of mindset and you're one of the 1% of the 1% that could actually keep that together for three months whilst maintaining some sort of social life, whilst maintaining healthy relationships at home and not snapping at people because you're having withdrawals from sugar and you don't want your, your spouse eating a packet of crisps in front of you because you're on a ketogenic diet and the world the world revolves around you like it used to around me. Although it still does around me, actually, but I'm pretty great, so I'm a, a rare exception. But the point that I'm making is, let's say that you did manage to keep that up for 12 weeks. Then what? Are you going to keep that up for another two years? Absolutely not. You're going to start to reintroduce carbohydrates. The second that someone puts, you know, a fucking pano chocolat in front of you, you're going to go nuts because you're not going to have learned to maintain a lifestyle within the real world. The second that someone takes the bumpers off and the ketogenic diet comes goes out the window, you're not on a ketogenic diet anymore. So what are you going to default back to? That the only other alternative that you know is the lifestyle that put you overweight in the first place, right? So it's far better to, in my opinion, to refine a sustainable lifestyle that you can keep up for the rest of your life. And that might sound slightly hypocritical because now I'm having a conversation about me 
putting weight on again. But I think the circumstances under which I've done so are somewhat atypical or non-typical. Is that what atypical means? I don't know. But hopefully you understand what I'm saying. For the most part, and it's, the other thing is as well, it's taken me four years to get to a point where, you know, I went on a fucking downer for three months and put it all back on. But until that point, I was sustaining it just fine. I was training regularly. I got into habits where I was enjoying going to the gym and lifting weights four or five times a week. And I was enjoying prepping my meals in advance or having healthier food because it just became the new normal because it was done in such a way that it was sustainable. So that is a very long-winded way of kind of explaining the mindset and the decision that I feel it's best to make at the beginning of a process like this and getting out of a rut is to decide to get out of a rut in a way that isn't extreme. It's very realistic and it's sustainable. The next point is, do you need help to do it? So I spent a long time learning and, and going through trial and error processes and, and, and practicing nutrition and training and training the right way, training the wrong way, eating the right way, eating the wrong way. So I am uh, a, a suppose a rare case where I know quite a lot about nutrition at this stage. And, you know, I know how to program my own diet and my own lifestyle and my own training program. But most people don't. And it is helpful to seek advice and guidance and perhaps even a plan from a professional. And Instagram's like flooded with so many phony fitness coaches and online PTs and stuff now where they're sending out cookie cutter training programs, cookie cutter diets that just can't be maintained. And it's not personal or bespoke to you, but it has to be bespoke to you because the other people that are receiving those diet plans and those training plans aren't your age, they aren't your weight, they don't have the same job or lifestyle as you. You know, two two 40-year-old men, one might work on a building site, the other one might work a desk job like me. The, the calories that they burn in a day just from living their lives are entirely different. So their training plan should be bespoke to them to accommodate that difference in activity level. So, you know, get, getting help from someone that understands you and understands your lifestyle and, and takes the time to get to know you and build a plan that is sustainable around your lifestyle that is not a bad thing and it is certainly worth the money and some of them aren't cheap mind i've had online coaches before and i've paid everything from 100 pounds a month to 180 pounds a month for a good online coach and it's well worth it if you feel that is something that is is required to keep you on track and if sometimes you you know you start to feel low and you want someone to check in with that can say you know this is normal your weight has gone up a pound this week that's normal you have to look at your weight changes over a you know a month and then average that loss that's the kind of advice that a coach can give you when you need it most if you want if you need to text someone at 7 p.m. on a tuesday night because you're feeling low and you you know if you didn't have someone to check in with you'd probably end up going to the drive through getting yourself a coach isn't a bad thing that would be my next bit of advice so maybe i'll i'm i'm thinking about getting a coach again just for this first um couple of months just not really necessarily for the diet program or for the training program, but more so just so you can talk to someone as an equal, like in that area of your life, talk to someone as an expert rather, 
Yeah, so you've got someone to turn to. Like, my missus doesn't want to hear me talking about diet all the time. That's my problem. I don't want to bog her down by, you know, oh, and I, do, I still do it. You know, I still, and, and she, she's very patient with me, but it's, it's, you do have to be somewhat enthusiastic about the fact that you, you are losing weight. You have to, you have to try and maintain the novelty of it and, and your interest in it. Otherwise, you won't stick to it. But at the same time, it's not your partner or your family's job to care. They've got their life and their lifestyle, and they, you know your partner might want a bag of crisps or a bag of Maltese or something while you're sat there on the couch. They don't want you sat there giving them stink eye while they're just enjoying themselves and living their life. So, getting a coach is is a perhaps it is a good way to go. So, in terms of like diet, that is also something where. That's probably one of the main factors to, to, to take into consideration. Like the thing that drives 70 to 80% of the change is diet. And the, you know, it's the, the old saying, isn't it? Abs are made in the kitchen. And that's so true. Like you can train as much as you want. You can hit as many weights as you want. You can run as many 10Ks as you want. But if you're drinking alcohol regularly and you're eating unhealthy seven days a week, you just, you can't outrun that. So making sure that the diet is tuned in is probably my first port of call. Other than sitting down and having this conversation with myself, and in this case with you, where I'm sort of present in mind and I'm, I'm honest about my approach, I'm setting realistic goals and expectations, I'm recruiting a coach to help me achieve the goals and it's just someone to check in with. Outside of that, the first actual physical implementation that I need to, or change that I need to make is going to be diet. So... With regards to diet, one of the best ways to make sure that you can achieve your goal is to track everything that you eat. And there are lots of different apps and weight, you know, you could you could literally just put everything down in a notebook. But by tracking the things that you eat, it's going to very quickly show you and teach you about, you know, nutrition and the contents of food and drink. So if you use an app like MyFitnessPal, which is fantastic, and it's free, there's a free version of MyFitnessPal that is everything that you need to, to achieve something like this and, and to, to actually reach your goals. An app like that will very quickly show you the, the contents of food. It will show you how many calories are in, um, I don't know, a, a croissant or something like that. It will show you the fat content, the carbohydrate and sugar content, the protein content, and actually the micronutrient content as well. So your actual vitamin uh, breakdown with, with regards to some food so it's very very insightful and it's a really really good way of not only you know hitting your calorie targets for the day but also learning about nutrition in the first place you might like for example you might not know the difference in a rump steak and a t-bone steak but the actual breakdown of nutrients in that food is very different the protein content and specific, and more specifically, the fat content in those two different cuts of steak is substantially different and therefore affects the calorie uh, density of those foods as well. So that, that would be one benefit to, or two benefits to tracking your calories. And obviously you track calories because you've already worked out um, or you should already work out to start with what your actual maintenance calories are. So by maintenance, it that means based on your age, height, weight, 
um, like daily activity level. So for example, do you work an active job where you want to build insight or you're a joiner or something like that? Or do you have an office job where you sat on your backside for seven, eight hours a day? That is your activity level. So your calories that you know that you would eat, your maintenance calories that you would eat every day to stay exactly the same weight, that is your maintenance calories. The average maintenance calories for a male, for an adult male is 2,500, 2,000 for a woman. But it differs greatly depending on those criteria. What is your activity level? What is your age, height, and weight? Okay, so once you've worked out your maintenance calories, you can find calculators online as well. If you search for a, um, a calculator that gives you your basal metabolic rate, um, or your, uh, sorry, not your, your um, yeah, sorry, your BMR, not your BMI, your basal metabolic rate, your BMR, that should give you your maintenance calories. Or you can look for a TDEE calculator, Total Daily Energy Expenditure Calculator. And that will also help you work out your maintenance calories. Um, a lot of coaches that I know recommend calculators that use a Harris-Benedict equation. And that is what many believe to be the most reliable um, uh, calculation to get to a, a maintenance calories. And then what you would want to do is work out that level of maintenance calories, then remove from that number 300 to 500 calories. And that would be the, the target calories each day for you to consistently lose weight and lose one to two pounds a week, which as we said at the beginning would be my target in this, in this example. Also, I should probably say a caveat. I hear people say this all the time and I feel like it's some sort of like legal loophole that you have to say this. I'm not a nutritionalist or qualified to give nutritional information. This is me just talking about my approach, my experience with nutrition and getting out of like, you know, ruts and losing weight and stuff like that and getting a, a lifestyle together. So just bear that in mind. I'm not a coach. I've worked with lots of coaches that have coached me and I've researched health and nutrition and fitness for years. But that said, I don't have any sort of like qualifications in nutrition. So feel free to just disregard everything that I'm saying in this podcast. So as I was saying earlier as well, I'm probably not going to have as much time with the baby coming to prep, you know, big batches of meals in advance. It used to be before that I'd cook off a kilo of chicken in one go, um, you know, batches of rice, batches of uh, potato, like I'll make chips in the air fryer, just using one cow spray instead of oil, um, vegetables and stuff like that. I won't have as much time to prepare food in advance. So probably what I'll do in this this time around is I'll use a meal prep service. So there are people on Instagram or you'll find them online. So maybe your local gym is affiliated with some with a company that does a meal prep service. But you'll find companies that are able to, you know, drop off a week's worth of food, all portioned out. It's well balanced for whatever your goals are. So if you're looking to build muscle and actually put weight on, a meal prep service will have a plan for that. If you're looking to cut back on weight or, or lose fat, the meal prep service will have a plan for that. If you run marathons or you know you do 10Ks and you need more carbohydrates and you, you can afford to eat a bit more sugar, they'll be able to accommodate that. So I'll probably use a meal prep service this time around. I'm in a bit of a better position financially as I was you know, three, four years ago. So I have a little bit more disposable income and I can afford the luxury of having somebody else cook my meals for me at least for you know the first month or two while the, the baby's young. Um, and perhaps if I'm able to adapt my lifestyle in a two or three months time, um, then I can start prepping my own meals again. 
But for now, I'll probably use a meal prep service. It's not a massive point that I'm making right now, but it's a convenient one, you know. Um, I suppose an alternative to that would be if, if you don't want to go for a meal prep service, you could just buy mostly pre-made or pre-packaged food. There's plenty of healthy, well-balanced pre-packaged foods out there. You can even go to the meal deal section in like Tesco and pick up, you know, a fish sushi, some pre-cooked uh, chicken pieces, um, a lot of fruit pack and a Diet Coke. That is a very, um, you know, satisfying meal. It, well, assuming that you like sushi, there's different ones. Like, you don't just have to have, like, raw fish. You can get duck sushi, chicken sushi, vegetable vegetable sushi for the vegan uh, crew out there. So, you know, you can do it all off meal deals, to be honest with you, or, like, microwavable food. It's still very doable. And my fitness pal, that app that I mentioned before, it's so good. You can just You can just open it up, press the barcode button, scan the barcode on the food that you're about to eat, especially, like, pre-packaged ones, like sushi, Scan that and it will already have that as an entry in their library of food. Um, and it will have all the nutritional information and calorie breakdown. Just press add to library. It'll add that to your diary for the day. And then that will remove that amount of calories from what you've got left for the day. So tracking your food through the day like that is just a really, really good way to um, know what you've got left. And then if you want a snack for supper or something like that, you can see it coming. So that kind of covers my approach to diet, I suppose. Not super detailed. I didn't want to turn this into like a diet tutorial. It is really about the three or four things that I'll be bearing in mind as I climb out of a rut, I suppose. It's a rut buster episode. Um, so the last thing that I suppose that we should talk about is training. Um, and again, to, to, to maintain some degree of relevant to the actual theme of this podcast which is um, agency life or digital marketing I suppose the the, the tenuous thread of relevance between that and, and what I'm talking about is you know this is a lifestyle that prof like working professionals can maintain I know that we're pressed for time I know that we're checking emails in the evening I know that we're checking emails first thing in the morning but the, my approach here is bearing all of that in mind and it's bearing in mind that not only am I doing that but I'm also you know parenting a baby for the first time ever so the, I'm, I'm setting this up with that in mind uh, so training normally if I had more time um, uh, and, and I, I felt like I had more flexibility in my lifestyle I might aim to to try and do five weightlifting sessions a week and aim for 10 to 12,000 steps a day so I feel that the steps is still achievable. Um, something that I used to do was get up early in the morning and go for a 45 minute walk. I'm not sure if that's gonna be fair or realistic for me to do um, in the first month or so of, of the baby being around. So perhaps what I'll do is I'll probably be walking around the house a lot anyway, fetching bottles and being more active. So that, that tends to um, you know, make up around five, 6,000 steps in a day, just walking around the house a lot and up and down the stairs. So I just wear a Fitbit um, and it just connects to my phone through Bluetooth. It tells, it, I'll be able to log each day how many steps I get. Um, and that way I don't really have to think about doing cardio sessions either. A lot of people will do weightlifting and then they'll go and get on a treadmill and run for 45 minutes. That works, that works as well. But if you just sort of aim to be walking around a lot during a day, you don't really need to go and do cardio sessions or get on the, the bike or the rowing machine 
you can just walk around more and it does the same job, but it fits it into your day and it's somewhat that, that time's used in a way that's practical. Um, so I'll probably aim for like three weightlifting sessions a week. Um, again, I have the luxury of having some weights in the garage as well, a garage for uh, anyone that's listening down south. And um, yeah, it's it's still maintainable. You know, three three basic weightlifting sessions a week, you can get through each one of those in like an hour as well. So assuming that I can go in the garage for an hour, one you know, three days a week, um, I can definitely fit that in. But I suppose a way to apply that to yourself if you don't have weights at home, just find a, a gym that's nearby and find a, find a weightlifting plan that is just three days a week. That's a really, really good place to start for beginners as well. There are plans like push-pull legs that you could do three days a week. Or if you are a super beginner to weightlifting, then I can really recommend a plan called Strong List 5x5 five five, or 5 x five um but it's called five by five it's just that's how it's written it's five like five times five um and basically that's just a, a program that will teach you to do compound lifts like squats deadlifts bench press shoulder press and so on um and bent over rows i believe but also um it'll be a really good way to start building some foundational strength as well and and you know there's a lot of like fine-tuning for those specific compound lifts, it'll teach you to improve form, uh, you know, and, and start to build some real skill and technique. Uh, that's what I love about weightlifting. You know, it is, in my in my opinion, it is a sport because there's a lot of skill and technique involved that you have to improve over weeks and months and, and years. And the more you improve and refine that technique, typically the, the, the better your performance will get, the greater your strength will improve. So that is the fun side of weightlifting as well. And that is a challenge to yourself is to say, well, you know, I'm not going to let the, the fact that there's some heavy plates on this on this bar scare me. I'm going to take control of it. I'm going to stay in control of my form and improve and, and be sort of present in my mind while I'm, I'm lifting this. So it's a good way. It's almost meditative once you start getting into it because you have to be very, very focused on, you know, the way that things feel. And rather than thinking about the future or thinking about the past, you have to think about specifically what's going on in that moment which is something that I often struggle with, especially having attention deficit disorder. My mind sort of flutters from one thing to another. Often things that I have to do or things that I've just done or things from the past or things I've been watching on TV or the last song that I listened to will just keep rattling around my head. But, you know, weightlifting in a way is, is a way to just focus on one thing in the same way that I suppose it's relaxing for some people to go fishing or meditate, you know? So that's going to be it. Three, weightlifting three times a week, tracking my calories, using a meal prep service to cut down at any time that I have to use, you know, cooking my own or prepping my own meals. I might get an online coach just to check in with once a week to report into my, you know, my week, my uh, weekly weigh-ins. You can send progress pictures to them if you're comfortable doing that. Um, then you can, they'll be able to notice week to week you know, any changes in your physique, often you won't notice changes in your own physique because you'll be looking, and especially if you're actively trying to lose weight, you'll be inspecting yourself in the mirror every morning um, and you will never notice a change in weight when you're looking at yourself every day because it's too short of an increment to actually notice. So a good way to do that is with a coach or just take pictures of yourself in the mirror once a fortnight, assuming that you can stay consistent and you've worked out your calories properly that we discussed in the beginning. You can't really fail, just track your calories and stick to it long term. Um, so that's going to be my approach to rut busting, to climbing out of the rut. 25 pounds to lose, 17 weeks to do it. 
with a baby on the way. Normally I reserve any sort of fitness and diet type stuff for my um, fitness Instagram, which I haven't actually properly posted to in months, other than like funny clips of my gran. <laughs> I haven't really posted to, to that in months, but I might, I'll probably start posting on that again as well, just so I can maintain that enthusiasm for fitness and diet. So if you want to follow along with that, you can follow me at DTB Lifts on Instagram. Um, and yeah, I'll start posting more information and, and the journey of, of shedding an ambitious 25 pounds in 17 weeks, but that's sustainable, it's doable. I've done it before um, and, and hopefully you'll join me as I do it again. And if you've got any questions on this sort of stuff, feel free to just drop me a message on that Instagram account and we can, um, we can chat and I can give any unsolicited advice <laughs> that you might be after. But other than that, I hope that this has been useful. Again, not super relevant to digital marketing, but it is something that's on my mind. It, is, it does go hand in hand with this lifestyle, especially anyone that out there that's got a desk job in general. So hopefully you have found this useful and um, I hope you'll come check my fitness Instagram out and we can hang out there. All right, but other than that, stay vigilant, look both ways when you cross the road and just um, keep your bloody chin up, mate. All right, see you later.